0: News. news, news, new, 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 news new York City
1: the FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more
2: interesting
1: by the minute. FAQ, F-A-Q. interesting boom, it's FAQ NYC. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm Harry Siegel here with Professor Christina Greer and producer Alex Brooklyn. City Council Speaker Corey Johnson will be joining us in a minute and what we hope will be the first of many episodes where we bring in one official to go deep on one issue. Right now, we're going to be talking about the island. No, that's not Blackwell Island, a.k.a. Welfare Island, a.k.a. Damnation Island, which was a symbol of brutality and a stain on the soul of the city that was closed so that we could build a, a nice new facility on Rikers Island. But Rikers Island, which Speaker Johnson has described as a symbol of brutality and inhumanity, that it is time for us to once and for all close. And what we hope is not a repeat of that history, but bringing in a better era that will include four new jails, one in each borough except Staten Island, at a cost of $8.7 billion, with the actual closure of Rikers scheduled for 2026. So is this the end of an ugly chapter or the beginning of a new one? We're going to find out. Let's get right to it. (laughs) Mr. Speaker, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me, Harry and Christina. Thank you for coming in.
1: So I'm reading all these headlines about a vote to close infamous Rikers Island and see you talking about the island as a penal colony and a symbol of brutality and inhumanity that's time to close once and for all. And I'm also understanding that this is a plan to build four new jails at a cost of about $8.7 billion to get around to closing Rikers by by 2026. And in fact, I think the population of Rikers would go up a bit because as the facilities in Brooklyn and Manhattan close to build the new ones, some of those prisoners would end up there. So for listeners who are just getting deep into this process, can you explain how those two things square?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the... Headline here is that this sort of indelible stain on New York City for many, many decades is finally in the process of getting removed. And we're in this moment nationally and in our state, what we saw what the state legislature did earlier this year of criminal justice reform. And I think one of the biggest things that we could do is finally shut down this inhumane symbol of brutality in the East River, as I said, a penal colony and move towards smaller more state-of-the-art, borough-based facilities that have people who are incarcerated closer to their families, closer to their lawyers, closer to the justice system in a way that doesn't have them stuck on Rikers Island. And so this is going to be a real process. It's going to take a while to construct the four new jails. Uh, the one in the Bronx will be the easiest because it's on a NYPD parking lot right now, a tow pound. The Queen's House of Detention was decommissioned almost 20 years ago, so they're going to have to tear. That that building down, so there's no one currently in it. And as you mentioned, Harry, the Brooklyn House of Detention and the tombs in Manhattan both currently have prisoners uh, in it, uh, in both of them. And what we need to do is eventually move the people that are there to Rikers Island so we can tear those facilities down. Now, during this conversation over the last year, people said who didn't want any jail facilities to be built, any new facilities, they said, close Rikers Island and don't open new facilities. Now, if you do that, What you would end up having is to put people who will still be incarcerated, even with the bail laws the state legislature passed, they would be sent to the Brooklyn House of Detention, to the tombs, to those two jails and to the barge in the Bronx – And those facilities are worse than Rikers Island. Structurally, they are worse than Rikers Island. The Brooklyn House to Detention has no air conditioning. In the middle of the summer, it is literally like an oven. People are baking inside of that jail facility. And so this is moving away towards these dilapidated, horrible facilities, getting the criminal justice number down, the people that are actually incarcerated, getting that number down, and uh, eventually moving to a system that I think makes more sense. And I'll just end with this and then we're going to talk about it a lot. You know, it's not just about building new buildings. It's also about looking at the entire system holistically. So, of course, the first thing is to close Rikers Island down and build new buildings. But the other thing is, what do we do to divert people that shouldn't be on Rikers to begin with? And what do we do to help people that are coming out of state prison, mostly from upstate or from Rikers Island when they're coming back into our city? What do we do to help them reintegrate? And so as part of this uh, vote that we took last week, there's over $300 million in investments on housing, on mental health, on restorative justice, on all of these things that we know will help people not become incarcerated to start with. And if they are incarcerated, how do we reintegrate them back into our city in a way that's going to set them up for success?
2: So, I I mean, I've got two concerns. And I sort of vacillate as to whether I'm not a, you know, I'm a abolish all prisons person or not. But I'm really afraid that if we spend... If we build an $8.6 billion hammer, then a whole bunch of black and Latinx kids are going to look like nails. And the amount of money for these new structures makes it seem like, well, we can't have all this money spent and not have people in them full time. And so why aren't we spending more money on the front end, like I know we're spending some money, but that's – we're talking millions with an M, not billions with a B. So why aren't we investing the vast majority of the money on programs that would assist families and especially young people to make sure that they never even enter the criminal justice system and have a holistic educational experience or community experience before they even have to deal with the criminal justice
0: system? I think there are two parts to, to what you just asked. The first – on if you build the facilities, will they have to be filled? You know, the current capacity of Rikers Island is almost 15,000 beds. And we have 7,200 people today on Rikers Island. So just because you have the capacity does not mean you fill the capacity. At least that's not what we've seen in New York City in these last few years. And it's uh, much harder for actually any single prosecutor or judge or mayor or uh, governor or anyone to do that when you have have these very significant criminal justice reforms that happened on the state level with bail reform, and we have to deepen those. There's a bill in front of the state legislature, which I think will be passed this session called the less is more act. You know, there's almost a thousand people right now on Rikers Island that are there on technical parole violations. Mm -hmm. They missed their curfew and they're sent back to Rikers Island for six months, eight months, 10 months. It makes no sense. And so we have to deepen the commitment we made earlier this year at the state level. Less is more is one way you could do that to actually just very quickly divert a significant number of people from not ending up on Rikers Island. The issue of, of investments uh, is one that I think is totally spot on. And, You know, There's a lot we do in the city, which I think probably already keeps people out of the criminal justice system. The city council in June, we voted uh, uh, for the budget to put $40 million of new money into diverting people from the criminal justice system. We put $5 million for people who are currently engaged in the sex trade to get them the support that they need so they don't end up justice involved. We put $5 million in to create uh, 100 uh, beds for men that have serious Mental illness to divert them off of Rikers Island. It's about doing all those things investments in education, investments in mental health, investments in housing, investments to alternatives to incarceration. That's what we did as part of this vote. One of the things I'm most proud of during my time as speaker is in the first budget that we worked on uh, during my time as speaker, we got fair fares done. Fair fares is half price metro cards. Don't, don't try and pull on my
2: heartstrings. Greg. No, but, <laughs> that, but
0: that, you know, we have too many people. You yeah. should not be arresting a people for fair evasion mm-hmm. and sending them to Rikers Island. So if you give them half-priced metro cards, that is a way to support people living in poverty. You cannot, you should not be criminalizing poverty in New York City and Rikers Island is the largest psychiatric institution in the United States right now. So many of the people that are there should not be there to begin with. We need to build long-term psychiatric care beds. We need to get those individuals the support that they need. Now there are going to be some people that don't qualify qualify. qualify for bail, someone who uh, commits murder, someone who commits rape, someone who commits a serious violent crime, they are going to be incarcerated in New York City. And we got to that 3,300 number. Right now, the capacity I said is 15,000 between Rikers Island and the other borough-based facilities. We got the number down to 3,300. So that is almost 20% of what the current capacity is.
1: And how did you all come to that number? Uh, The Daily News described the number as uh, drawn out of a hat. It's not true.
0: It's not drawn out of
1: that. And and the, the, it, the projection had been 5,000 and then it became 3,300 just, just before the vote and that meant that the towers shrank in Manhattan and in Brooklyn. Can can you just uh, explain yeah, I sort can of where, tell where you, this came from?
0: Yeah, I can tell you how we got there. So the original 5,000 number was a number that – the Lippman Commission had identified when they first released their report, basically in 2017. They said four borough-based facilities with approximately 1,250 beds in each facility. And then over the next two years, what we saw was significant criminal justice reform at the state level. You saw the bail reform.
1: Which, which will be implemented in January. So. In
0: January. So on January 1st, the bail reform laws go into effect. So a lot of people who are currently on Rikers Island will not end up being there at all. We think just with bail reform, that number is going to come from probably 7,200, which we're at today, down to below 5,000. So you're already going to have 2,200 people that would not be able to be sent to Rikers Island because you wouldn't, you couldn't ask for bail. So that's number one. Number two is we put a significant amount of money to enhancing supervised release. Supervised release is if someone commits a, a potential crime or if they are being accused of a crime, a judge could not send them to Rikers. They could say, we're going to put you on on a supervised release program with uh, a nonprofit that does this work, with the probation system that is keeping track of people. And we enhance that. So what do I mean by we enhance that? Right now, there are charge exclusions. A charge exclusion is currently you can only qualify for supervised release if you have only committed a certain number of crimes. We eliminated that. Because we wanted to say, leave it up to the judge. If the judge has the facts to a case and they realize this is more complicated and this individual doesn't have a a prior criminal history, we can actually offer them – it will still be up to the judge. If the judge says no, then the judge could still hold them. And – that means that 95% of the people currently on supervised release never commit another felony. It's actually more successful than holding someone's on Rikers Island. So number one, bail reform. Number two, enhancing supervised release. Number three, these community investments I talked about, people with mental illness, getting justice-involved supportive housing so that they don't recidivate when they come off of Rikers Island, getting transitional housing, doing alternatives to incarceration. All of these things will bring that number further down. The number... 3,300 was not just baked up by the city council. The mayor's office of criminal justice, Mock J, they came up with the 3,300 number. The council was already working on our own calculus and math to see what we thought that number would be if less is more passes this session, if you do the enhanced supervised release, if you make the community investments, if you do all of these things. And so we were at about the same number. And then similarly, The Littman Commission has a professional staff that was still meeting throughout this entire process, talking to nonprofit organizations, and they actually thought the number was lower. They thought the number was about 3,000. They think we're a little high. They thought it shouldn't be 3,300. It should be 3,000. So it's in that ballpark. You create 15% capacity in case something does happen. So the number of beds will actually be about 3,800, but you never want it – Totally full because then you have overcrowding issues.
1: So if that happens, two, two, two questions. Or actually, first, um, I believe that the judge Lippman had suggested seven hundred million a year for various services, and that it's about three hundred million. No, in
0: the first chapter of the Lippman Commission report, they identified a singular number which was $270 million in chapter one of the Lipman Commission, and they gave different sort of silos that they thought it should focus on, housing, mental health, under to incarceration, education. So the number that I had been working off of with the Coalition of Advocates of the Close Rikers campaign, Just Leadership USA, the Vera Institute for Justice, the Osborne Association, uh, Beyond Rosie's, all these great groups that really made this happen, we were always operating off that $270 million number. I mean, we should go higher. It actually should be a lot higher. And if you look at both the money the council put in in June in anticipation of this vote in the fall, that was $40 million, about $280 million in new investments as part of this vote. So that's about $320 million. And then when you add on criminal justice investments that have happened over the last five years, while this conversation has been happening, you get up to more than... $400 million. That doesn't even count, as I said, fair fares or other programs that we're doing that will hopefully make a difference. The mayor announced earlier this year they're going to expand social and emotional learning and restorative justice in schools across New York City. That wasn't part of this plan, but all of these things help hopefully to keep people from getting caught up in the justice system to begin with.
2: Now, and is this guaranteed money? Where does this money come from? Because $8.6 billion is it's quite a bit and there have been some stories that have come out that sort of say this plan could really hem up the next mayor of New York City
0: um, financially possibly you're talking about the the 8 billion dollars mm-hmm. or the investment money the 8 billion the 8 billion we actually think that number is going to come down because the jail sizes came down that 8.7 billion dollars was the original number used for the facilities Before they were changed during the Euler process. Mm So the, you know, almost 50 story building in lower Manhattan and then you look at Queens of 30 stories and you look at Brooklyn, that's what the $8.7 billion number was. So it could come down a billion, $2 billion. If you're building significantly smaller buildings, that should mean that the Mm -hmm. cost is somewhat lower. Um, You know – It's not fun uh, to spend this amount of money on this, but what's the alternative? The alternative in some ways to let Rikers Island stand or, as some people suggested, repair Rikers Island. I didn't think that was a good option. Out of sight, out of mind. For too long, you've had brutality on Rikers Island. You've had U.S. attorneys. You've had the Justice Department. You've had the Board of Correction. You've had the city council. You've had advocacy groups say, what's happening on Rikers Island is shameful. And I think part of the reason it's been able to happen there, because it's a way. No one really sees what's going on. If you want to visit a loved one on Rikers Island, it takes literally hours to get processed. But so, where does the money, like, where's oh, it's the budgeted. money going to come from? I okay. mean, we, have a, we have an expense budget, which is the $93 billion budget we voted on, oh. and then we have a separate capital budget. This was in the capital budget that we voted on uh, earlier this year, so it's already been budgeted. You know, we have a We basically have a five-year capital plan, Mm 10-year capital plan. So this money will be part of that process. It was already budgeted. I actually think the number should come down. I was advocating as part of the process that they should reflect some changes in the November plan. We update the financial plan every single November. And I was saying since the facilities came down, we should accurately show to New Yorkers what that number is now that the building sizes came
1: down. What happens to Rakers if – the uh jails in Manhattan and Brooklyn in particular get held up by asbestos mitigation as the existing structures come down, by lawsuits that, that seem likely to me to be coming. What happens then to this plan or commitment to close Rikers by 2026?
0: Well, my hope is that we're going to be able to sequence things. So if you build the Bronx site first, because it's potentially the easiest site given the conditions on the site to get done, my hope is once you get that jail done, you can move people from Rikers into that new facility. And you'll do it in sort of a sequential way. And I hope that while we are doing that, we'll be at the same time demolishing jails on Rikers Island. Mm -hmm. So when you're moving people to the Bronx, you'll at the same time be saying, okay, we're going to demolish AKDC on Rikers Island. That's a jail facility Mm -hmm. on the island. My hope is that we'll be doing those things at the same time. Um, But, you know, it's hard to predict exactly What's going to happen with lawsuits? Uh, I feel pretty confident that, given the amount of crazy construction the city has to contend with, and building new schools and building all the things we do across New York City, that we will have a plan. And I think there have been some justified concerns, especially in Lower Manhattan, in uh, the sort of Civic Center area, and it's just out of Chinatown, because you know a lot of folks uh, dealt with. Uh, some serious health effects after Mm 9-11. And I think people are concerned about what's going to happen with the construction there. So we have to ensure that there is a totally – thorough mitigation plan that will deal with construction in each one of these places. But that shouldn't be a reason why we can't get this done in the next, you know, uh, we're at the end of 2019, so in the next seven years. And how many
1: COs end up out of work uh, after seven years if this happens and the population keeps going down? I mean, it's
0: hard to know if you're going to have significantly less number of people incarcerated. You're going to have less people who you're going to need at the Department of Corrections. Right now, I believe the number is we have about a thousand correction officers that are attrited every single year. Mm-hmm. So if you have that attrition in leading up to uh, the borough-based facilities opening up, you're going to see the workforce come down in some way. Oh, uh, and, and the cost savings related to it. We think that the Department of Corrections is going to save about a billion and a half dollars once you go to these smaller jails. Uh, when you talk about debt service, though, the number becomes maybe half a billion dollars when you have to pay off the debt service. on. In these buildings. But that money should be put into preventing people from getting incarcerated to begin with.
3: I have a question about some of the social services that uh, there's a couple questions in here, but are a lot of these social services going to be local to each borough jail? And it's been, what, a, a year and change since Jasmine Headley's arrest, which highlighted the Department of Social Services and how burdensome and prohibitive and oppressive that kind of paperwork trail can be for people who are looking for social services, especially people coming out of prison. How do we prevent that same kind of quagmire, that same sort of tangle in social services where currently the city council is just trying to dig themselves out of?
0: Well, on the Jasmine Headley horrific uh, incident that happened just about a year ago. You know, in the wake of that, the council passed almost a dozen bills to make it easier for people who uh, do get benefits through the Human Resource Administration, through the Department of Social Services, whether it's uh, food stamps or cash assistance or having their daycare paid for uh, by the city. Uh, and we passed a series of bills in working with all the advocates that were so appalled, as was I and the entire council, on what happened to Ms. Head. And so I feel good about some of those changes. Some of the changes include having social workers at these uh, sites across the city. So you always have to build on uh, the work that you're doing. And I think um, it's it's sort of building on that previous package of legislation that we did. It's building on fair fares. It's building on the amount of money we've asked to put into these anti-poverty programs and to help people that have a mental health condition. Let me just run you through just quickly so you well, have a sense. Is
3: the Department of social services going to be responsible for a lot of these programs to reduce recidivism. No,
0: I mean I'm happy to run you through very yeah. quickly, but we're doing uh, new funding, seventeen million dollars for alternatives to incarceration. What does that mean? That goes to organizations like the Fortune Society, organizations like the Osborne Association that have proven methods to keep people from being incarcerated, uh, and that uh, that work. That really, really works. So, seventeen million dollars there, enhancing supervised release, which I talked about earlier to $54 million. An additional $2.7 million in curing gun violence. We've seen this work in communities where basically you get community-based organizations. I'll talk about East New York. You have an organization called Man Up, which does violence interruption work, which goes out and works with people who are at risk in the community. It's not a government intervention. It's the government giving money to people who are trusted in the community. $17.5 million uh, and $25 million to create 1,000 new beds so it 's forty two million dollars for a thousand transitional and supportive housing beds that 's not the Department of social services that 's creating supportive housing for people that are coming out of the justice system or coming off of Rikers Island or coming out of state prison to give them a roof over their head so they 're not in a three quarters house somewhere so they 're not in a homeless shelter but so they can actually get their life back on track uh, we 're establishing a specialized shelter system for people leaving state prison with six million dollars uh, We are doing a NYCHA reentry program. Right now, a lot of people that have been just involved can't live at NYCHA when they come back with their mother, with their family, with their aunt, with their uncle, if they've been convicted of a certain crime. We're going to do something to actually pilot how to get people back into NYCHA where you don't have these exclusions. And then we're upping the match rate right now on supportive housing. A lot of supportive housing developers and people who run those programs say they don't get enough money. So we put $6 million in to up their reimbursement None of this is done by the Department of Social Services. Almost all of it is done by community-based organizations that do this type of work day in and day out. They've done it for years. Groups like uh, the Fortune Society, groups like Osborne, groups like Just Leadership USA that do this type of work. Those are the groups that we're funding. And just to be honest, I mean, in the final three weeks of negotiations, when my team was negotiating with the mayor, when the council members were coming to me, I was operating off of a document. And that document was everything I'm listing right here, was a document that was a combination of the Littman Commission, Chapter One, identified investments, and the investments that all of the advocacy groups had given me. They said, we need this number of beds. We need this amount of money in cure violence. We need this amount of money to help people in the sex trade. That's what I was operating off of. So we didn't just sort of pull this out of a hat. We were working with the advocates that do this work and the Lippman Commission that had very critical expertise to help us get there.
2: So one of the concerns that, you know, when I was talking to some folks about closing Rikers, they were concerned that the new facilities wouldn't have the same outdoor space that Rikers has because we know that there's some gardening programs, there's some equine programs or some, you know, sort of animal therapy programs. Can you talk a little bit about that? And can you also let us know how how many times you've been to Rikers just to tour the facility and, and sort of get an idea
0: of what is and what the vision should be? I was on Rikers Island um, about two weeks ago. <clears throat> I didn't tell the press. I didn't tweet it. I went. We were there for, I think, four and a half hours. If you didn't tweet it, did it happen? Exactly. <laughs> yes. um, and it was really, really, really disturbing. Mm-hmm. It was extraordinarily disturbing. We went to two different jails on Rikers Island. Uh, we saw some good things that are happening and we saw some really horrific things. And that was my second visit. I had been to Rikers Island a few years before that. Um, so I've been there twice. Uh, and one of the most disturbing things that I I think I've ever witnessed was walking uh, and being escorted into solitary confinement, punitive segregation, uh, for uh, young people. You know, we've gotten rid of punitive segregation for uh, people that are under twenty-one years old for a lot of them, but in New York City, in New York City, but they've been being sent to Albany, as we saw from a Time story this week. Um, and I have very serious, I think solitary confinement is cruel and inhumane. I think it makes people sicker if they're already sick. Uh, and when you walked into the, the jail that had solitary confinement and I walked over and I was talking to these incarcerated young men and to hear what they were going through to see what the conditions were like was, uh, appalling, sickening, hard to see. And it really showed me how broken Rikers is, but, you know, how we can't repeat those same mistakes even when we open up these borough-based facilities. Will they have solitary housing units? I mean, I at this point, those are still allowed. I think there was a story that the city had— Last night uh, where you saw some members of the Board of Correction, if I may say, council appointees, Dr. Cohen, who's a city council appointee on the Board of Correction, pushing back against not voting on these new solitary rules to eliminate further use of solitary confinement. Um, I signed a letter earlier this year with Councilmember Keith Powers, uh, who's the chair of our criminal justice committee, basically saying when the state legislature didn't pass the Halt Solitary Act, that we, the city, should adopt the. Halt Solitary Act through the Board of Correction. And that's what it looked like the board was trying to do. We saw one of, I think, the most well-respected members of the Board of Correction removed this last week, uh, Brianne Hamill, a family court judge, former family court judge, who has been amazing in working on these issues. I'm hopeful that the board's still going to do the right thing, but we need to keep pushing. And that's why hopefully between now and and 2026, over the next seven years, there's going to be further reforms. Hopefully, we're going to get less is more done. We're going to see uh, significant reforms to solitary confinement or elimination of solitary confinement. We're going to keep building on the things that we've done. But I'm very, very proud. I'm proud because I think we're doing something historic in New York City. Rikers Island, no one's ever touched this because it has been so difficult. The easy thing to do would have just been to let things continue to stand on Rikers Island and hand Handle it and an outraged, uh, you know, uh, tweeting about it, uh, kicking the can down the road, tinkering around the edges, doing those type of things. That's not what we're doing here. We are doing something significant. New York City, when this gets done, will be the most decarcerated city in the United States of America. That is very, very significant. So I'm really proud of what we're doing, but over the next many years, we have to keep building on it. And what about the space? Oh, the space, um, outdoor space. For- you know,
1: uh, I Brooklyn and Manhattan in particular. I don't say this right.
0: in a, in an evasive way. And I have so many uh, details floating in my head through negotiating this entire plan. I am not remembering right now what the what the final things were on each particular facility. I was working with the council members on the facilities in their districts. And I was really trying to, in my role in this, was to support them and push for the citywide investments. I believe there is going to be some rooftop space in some of these facilities, likely not as much space as you have in Rikers Island. But I'll tell you, when I was on Rikers Island last week, the outdoor space that exists there is just like blacktop pavement and nothing else.
1: So so the Manhattan Correctional Center, right, they have rooftop outdoor space. And there've been a few awesome helicopter escape attempts and such things from there over the years. And when that opened in 1977, it was a model prison. And this is a high rise lockup, in Manhattan
3: my dad was at MCC in the late 70s he said they had the first microwave they had co-ed dances there was the isotopes came to play there he said that it was one of the nicest plays he was to have been
1: and you know Jeffrey Epstein killed himself there it's um it's it's a shithole I've been inside recently there's uh, roaches there's rats uh, there's mold there's uh, guards vaping. It's a a really depressing place and it seems like every new prison starts off as a model prison and becomes the moral stain that has to be corrected within within a few decades. And I'm trying to envision why that wouldn't happen in this instance.
0: Well, I mean we – hopefully as a society, we continue to evolve that we hopefully do that in many, many ways. And I just think there is something fundamentally different than having a penal colony – Right now, it's a penal colony. There are some things that are sort of indefensible
1: about that. And MCC, and, have you ever been inside? I have not been to MCC. I, I mean it's right in the city but if you're not inside, you're never going to be inside and it is very distinct from everything around it. It's got a little perimeter. There's a waiting area if you want to go in and you sit there for two hours until somebody comes out and deigns to take your paperwork. I mean I, every, every prison is like this, every gym. Do we want people closer to the courthouses so their trials can happen more quickly? Do we? You're the speaker. Oh, you're an
0: opinion writer. You write pieces in The Daily (laughs) News all the time saying your opinion. So clearly you're stating
1: your opinion right now, which is totally fine. All else being equal, absolutely. absolutely, We do. Do we
0: want people closer to their families when you hear stories of uh, children and spouses and loved ones who say, I literally cannot make it to Rikers Island so I don't get to see my loved one?
1: So let's say yes to all that and that more ferries or something else aren't the answer. That ship has sailed, so to speak. We're, We're here, right? So what happens next? I, I asked this question to the internet a few months ago, and I got some very, very dark and funny answers. Most of which involved luxury development, like you know, finally a place to find solitary within the city. You know, oh. uh, I, I hope w- it's w- not because I will admit the first
2: time I heard about clues and Rikers, I just thought of it as a real estate boondoggle.
1: Right, and when uh, when when Rikers was going to open, Jimmy Walker fought that plan. Who was the mayor at the, the time? The mayor, not a, a good party times. man and a drunk, and. Uh, he uh you know walker wanted uh wanted to make it a park for the whole city there were business interests that wanted to make it an airport what what's going to happen to this island when when this chapter of its history closes i don't know uh i think that's What do you a, think should?
0: Uh i mean i don't have a firm final answer on that yet because I've been so consumed with just trying to get this done and it wasn't a guarantee that we were going to get this done. This has been a lot of work for a long time right. with not much political upside. Uh, I was doing this because I thought it was the right thing to do. I mean, initially, I think what we should do is we should uh, put together a panel of people from different walks of life in New York City to try to come up with something very, very creative, something very distinct. What could that mean? We you could do – some people have said you could do sort of a green energy farm on Rikers Island. You could do places for wind turbines. You could do a hydro plant. You could do all of these things. I'm allergic
2: to wind turbines. Please don't do that.
0: You're allergic to wind turbines? Yeah. Oh my there's God! We need wind turbines. I know, but
2: there's a whole group of people who are highly allergic to wind really? turbines. Really? Are you being serious? I'm dead serious. I don't know what that means. Uh, it's it's we feel the energy and the pressure of the wind. Really? And it is crushing. Oh, I've never it's heard like of migraine this. crushing.
3: I know. I had never. I never of heard, it heard of this. I, I never
0: heard of this. Oh,
2: Okay. Uh,
3: so one, please one don't. That's just my record.
0: request is as I, a New Yorker.
1: I, I, I mean, I don't think we.
0: I don't think it should be a place for housing. So I don't think that we should be building residential housing on Rikers Island. If you wanted to do something like Randall's Island uh, where you have, uh, you know, ball fields and sports facilities, you could do something like that. If you want to do something like Governor's Island, which is sort of an adaptive uh, reuse and they're doing all sorts of exciting things on Governor's Island now. The city's put a lot of money into it for uh, kids to go on field trips there. I think you could do something like that. So, I mean, I don't have the exact answer. I think we're not going to see it for a very, very long time because if Rikers doesn't close until the end of 2026 – And then they have to demolish all the jails and they have to remediate all the land and they have to figure out what's going to happen there and they're going to have to probably rezone it. We could be talking about you know, five, 10 years after Rikers Island closes. So this may not happen for another 15, 20 years. And I think we should probably have a long conversation as a city about given the symbol and stain Rikers Island has been, what is the most appropriate thing to go there? I have
3: a question about the the stain of Rikers Island. So a lot of people first started paying attention to it in my generation post-Occupy, right? Sesame McMillan goes there and gives her harrowing accounts of what she saw at Rosie's and Rosie Singer and the Justice Report of, I think, uh, 2014. So what's your – like when did you start really l- seeing it for what for what a lot of people think of as like a hell mouth essentially? Not to put in a Buffy reference but, you know.
0: Well, I mean I'm not saying this to <clears throat> in any way pat myself on the back but I just think it's important to talk about, you know, what we have done and where we have been on issues especially as elected officials I think if you go back and you look at my first year on the council, it was either my first year or my second year, 2014 or 2015 before I was speaker, I chaired the health committee. We had multiple hearings on correctional health services that were going on in 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 the jails and I led a hearing which uh, – and I grilled uh, executives from a for-profit – Prison health company that is operated nationally called Horizon, and we got
3: a slew of charges against slew them. Slew of uh, charges, you know, rape charges, etc. And how do you? But how do you prevent stuff like that again?
0: Well, no, which one? I want to finish right. that yeah, thought. Yeah. No, so I, 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 I been. You asked when I started working on this, right? When I became health committee chair. I had never uh, been to Rikers Island before I was a member of the city council. I visited, I believe it was either the first year, at the end of the first year, in December of 2014 or it was December of 2015. I remember it was December. Um, that was the first time I visited Rikers Island. And then I started working on a lot of issues related to it, meeting with the Coalition of People, the Jails Action Coalition, a lot of the advocates who had been working on this. I started doing that work before I was speaker. We got the Corizon contract canceled. We got Correctional Health Services uh, to be – um, created, uh, which is really a part of Health and Hospitals. And we started working on these issues in a very, I think, significant way. So I'm really proud of sort of my history and working on this. And at some of those early hearings, if you go back and you watch the video, you see me telling... Uh, Dr. Homer Venters, who is no longer at the DOC but was one of the chief medical officers there who was an amazing, amazing, amazing man. You see me saying to him in hearings and he sort of refused to answer the question or he would answer it in a way that he felt like uh, he didn't want to get in trouble. But he still said the right thing where I kept saying over and over again, solitary confinement is cruel and unusual punishment. Solitary confinement is torture. The Geneva Convention – bans solitary confinement. So long before there was any conversation about closing Rikers Island uh, when the Lippmann Commission was impaneled, I was saying this as chair of the health committee. I was visiting Rikers Island. I was working with advocates. And I'm really proud that I'm not sort of a Johnny come lately on this issue that just started looking at this in the last six months or the last year that in my first year on the, on the city council, I started doing this. How do we change the system? I think you actually divert a lot of people from Rikers Island. So many people should not be on Rikers Island or should not end up in these borough based facilities. We do not have enough long term psychiatric care beds. In New York City, I think we need to put more of the Thrive money uh, that has been appropriated to people with serious mental illness. You've seen uh, DJ Jaffe from the Manhattan Institute who's talked about a loved one that's come up with a report talking about where he thinks the money should go. Right now, only twelve percent of the Thrive money is going to people with serious mental illness. So I think there's a variety of things. Again, I'm not. I don't say this in an evasive way it would make it a lot easier on a lot of these issues if you had federal support and participation, and if you had state support and participation. It makes it a lot harder to do things related to health care when the city has very limited authority on health care and the state and feds do. It makes it very difficult on criminal justice. The state made this possible for us to get that number down. So we need to keep building on the state work that was done, hopefully getting help in Washington and pushing the envelope here in New York City. For the
1: record there, do you Have any public safety concerns related to the state bail and discovery reform that are being implemented next year? Uh,
0: I mean, I think it was the right thing to do um, because uh, this is for people that are being held pre trial. 85% of the folks have not been convicted of a crime who are on Rikers Island. And of course, for certain violent felonies, uh, judges are going to be able to ask for bail and remand. But you look at some of the incidents that have happened so far. Um, sadly, there are always people who sort of slip through the cracks. I mean, you saw the horrific, heartbreaking. I'm not comparing this to the bail reform. I just want to say that for listeners, I'm just giving a, a thing to talk about how our system's so broken right now. People slip through. You saw what happened with this 24 year old uh, homeless man in lower, Randy Sampson. Yes, Sanders. and. A brutally killing uh, four people in Lower Manhattan. I mean, he He'd clearly been bailed has, out
1: by the Bronx Freedom Fund and by the Washington Square Legal Services on two separate occasions in violent incidents, and then been released without a uh, without cash bail on a third. I mean, that's extraordinary. I think. I mean, his crimes, of course, are disturbing,
0: and what's disturbing is. Prior, uh, prior
1: to the murders, of course. Prior
0: to them. Yeah. No, in, no, in, I'm, in, I'm saying, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I don't remember what his previous, why he was incarcerated previously, but those were horrific. You had four homeless individuals who were brutalized and killed in their sleep on the streets of lower Manhattan. And, That is why it's important when we talk about criminal justice reform, we talk about bail, when we talk about changing the culture in our prisons, it's equally as important to talk about these community investments, to talk about investments in mental health, to talk about investments in permanent supportive housing, to talk about investments in drug treatment for people who are trying to get sober or have an addiction issue. I think we need that you need to open up that conversation and have that holistic conversation. But right now in, in New York City and nationally for Far too long, poverty has been criminalized. Mass incarceration is a big failure. The drug war is a big failure. And some of the concerns we've heard around this are similar in some ways to concerns we saw, I think, with people fanning the flames around what happens if you stop, stop and frisk. People said, if you stop, stop and frisk in New York City, it's going to be out of control. Crime is going to go through the roof. We need to keep doing this. Stop and frisk was tearing the city apart by stopping young men of color in New York City who did nothing wrong. Right now on Rikers Island, there are so many people who should never be there to begin with. And now folks that do not want to see these changes are using these type of arguments where sometimes there are instances where people fall through the cracks, where maybe someone should not have been out of jail or prison. Where maybe someone, they weren't caught with the level of violence that they may have, where we didn't get them the help they needed early on, where they're dealing with trauma earlier in their life. But they're trying to use those instances to try to defend a broader system that we should not try to defend. We need transformative change and that's why it's about the bigger investments and in outside stuff as well.
1: Final question from our friends of FAQ, Albert Fox Khan and Ali Winston, who ask us to ask you. Speaker Johnson, you originally co-sponsored the POST Act in 2017. That's the Public Oversight of Surveillance Technology Act. But you've been silent on this NYPD reform bill since it was reintroduced in 2018, even as a majority of your colleagues signed on. Will you support passage or at least a committee hearing this year?
0: You know, I was a sponsor of the Post Act, and uh, I believe in government transparency. I never on any show, whether it's on FAQ, or whether it's on Inside City Hall, or Brian Lair, you know, I don't give a time frame because everything goes through a legislative process, um, and I think we need uh, greater transparency. I support the aims and the goals of the Post Act. We want to get it right. There have been active discussions with the committee staff, the committee chair, uh, um, and other folks that have been involved in this. So I'm hopeful that we're going to be able to get this done. And, you know, we've seen many jurisdictions pass similar legislation across the country. Other cities have done it uh, in Massachusetts, and California, and it has not impacted the safety, I believe, of those cities. So we're going to try to get this done in the right way.
2: Speaker. Thank you for coming in. For it's this a deep thousand dive.
0: degrees in here. Oh,
2: is yeah. it? We didn't notice. I'm not saying that <laughs> because a tough questioning. <laughs> 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 Literally,
0: is there a. <laughs> oh. Are we sitting on a furnace?
2: <laughs>
1: we have to close the windows <laughs> yeah. and record. We now have a window. Oh, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, same.
2: Well, oh, I'm not. Well, I'm just cool as the breeze. a few things. I'm Schlitzy McJohnson <laughs> in here. Is that your new
3: drag name? Is that your Twitter handle? That's my drag name. I think what you're really saying is that you miss the apartment.
2: Uh, Pretty good to me me. With With Tootsie Rolls Rolls are
0: all I see Whatever Whatever it is I think I see Becomes a Tootsie Roll to me Tootsie Roll (laughs) hot up your chocolatey chew Tootsie Tootsie Roll roll, I think I'm in
3: love with you Whatever it is I think I see Becomes (laughs) a Tootsie roll Roll to me so
0: so for the people who can't see us, I wish there was like a live video feed of this. Harry left the room <laughs> right. when we sang the Tootsie Roll song. He's boycotting, I guess. And, and, and Alex and Christina were doing like jazz hands <laughs> while we were singing the Tootsie Roll song. I do miss the apartment. So,
2: A, we want you to come back because we have so many other topics that we want to discuss with you. B, we so appreciate you sort of taking this deep dive with Rikers. And C, I just also want to thank you for the work that you did on Fairfares because I worked with Writers Alliance, and I really appreciate that. And I actually want you to come back so we can talk about this governor's plan of adding all these new... Uh, police officers to the subways with no body cams not a, and not a how fan. are we supposed to decarcerate when not we are trying to incarcerate black and latinx youth yet again for fare evasion where i always say just go to 66th street with the let out from uh, the philharmonic and the ballet and that's where you get all your fare evaders
0: i know we have to finish but wh- how is it fair that if you're speeding on the roads or on the highways in new york city or in the suburbs and you're going 20 25 miles over the limit you get stopped and you get a ticket If you are poor and a young person and you jump a turnstile in Harlem, you get arrested. And that's for $2 and 75 cents. There is something very broken when that is a system we have. I don't think police officers is the solution to it. I don't think it's a solution towards quote unquote policing homelessness on the subways. It's about building supportive housing, getting people drug treatment, helping people hopefully get into recovery, getting them the mental health treatment they need. That's what we need to do. 500 officers is not the answer. Thanks for
2: coming in. We'll see you soon. Thanks everyone. Are you going to come back and sing next time?
0: Uh, If we do that, if we get Kiko the baby (laughs) and the jingle again, we'll do it. And Walking Harry. And Walking Harry. (laughs) We talked about that off air, everyone. We won't disclose what happened. F F A Q.
2: FAQ NYC is a production of Racket Media, and we're supported by listeners like you. We are headquartered and recorded this week at NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research. A special thank you to New York City speaker Corey Johnson for spending some time with us, and our executive producer Alex Brooklyn, and Adam Kamara, who
1: recorded and mixed today's episode.
2: Tune into the fact.
1: And if you want more fact, Alex?
3: This Monday... October 28th at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., Harry Siegel and myself are going to be hosting a storytelling series at the Freehand Hotel on 23rd and Lexington. Well, technically, it's between 23rd and 24th. Um, It's in their studio room. A bunch of people are going to get together and tell salacious, candid, and raw stories about all manner of things. But the theme is fear because, you know, it's Halloween. Um, So join us. It's free. And uh, we'll have a couple stories. Maybe someone will randomly jump up and tell one. Who knows? Anything can happen. There also will be musical interludes by Isabel Alvarez, who's a really good piano player and a singer. So you should stop by if you have the time. Freehand Hotel. Where's what? that? I already said it. Oh, okay. I said like a whole thing about I like it.
1: Repetition. <laughs> Freehand Hotel on Lexington and Twenty Third.
3: Also, a special thanks to Victoria Mendez, who is taking notes for this episode of the Fact.
1: Not Menendez.
3: Not Menendez.
2: Bonus round. Bonus
1: round. Homework. We
2: asked you all to order your water testing kit. By calling three one one. How many of you did that? In this room, how many of you did that? Raise your hand. I didn't do it. Mm-mm. I didn't Harry do didn't, it, but I'm going to do it. I this is not yes. how homework works, children. Homework was this week. We were supposed to go home and call three one one. I called. It took less than four minutes for me to give them all of my information. I'm actually looking at the website now. It's wwwnycgovernor one dot you You're literally looking at your- two high school dropouts right now. Well, uh, hopefully you all ordered your kit. It took about three minutes for me to fill up the two water bottles and read all the instructions. It was completely free. I dropped off the box in the mailbox. They gave me all the glue stickers to seal the box. They gave me the return address labels. Uh, The city has made it incredibly easy for you to test your water for lead. And I'll let you all know what my results are when I get them back.
3: I have a question. If you get me- a messed up result can you then like not pay rent uh
2: if you get a messed up result they said that they'll send the city out and i think that that's a whole new set of procedures that will be you know sort of kicked into place could it possibly culminate in you i don't not know
3: having to pay rent f- frequently
1: as ibrahim brought up when he was here right my, my house has a uh, has a lead water main and we own that not the city and we could replace that, but um, the city has to dig it up and you have to pay for the street to get dug up, the new one put in, and then to seal everything again. And that is five figures, you know, like ten fifteen thousand dollars 15000 So we just like have water that comes in instead so our kids aren't drinking it. Um, and run the taps a lot in the morning before even using that to wash or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm. So...
1: So Sarah, I did not, but Sarah did do her homework when we moved in.
2: Okay. When was... Well... It might be time to do it again. Who knows? But hopefully our listeners will call 311 and get the free water testing kit. So now I know what happens when I give homework here. <laughs> it'll it'll just be a week late. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know my policy on lateness. Bad. You know what it is? What? I don't have one because I don't take things that are late. Ooh.